You are listening to the Bridge Community Church Podcast out of Warrington, Virginia. Our church exists to connect you to God, others, and the marketplace. For more information, you can visit us online at bridge4life.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you are blessed by today's message. It is great to see you on this uh, first Sunday of the new year, 2022. Can you believe it? It looks like 2021 when it started. (laughs) But we're still here, amen? So today, if you're new to the bridge, or maybe you joined the bridge during this past year, today and last Sunday are a special segments of the messages that I do in relationship to wrapping up the year and starting the new. Last Sunday was looking back at 2021, and today's message is looking forward. And so I'll be explaining this message a little bit Uh, more as we get into it. So it's not the kind of message that I would normally do, but we're still going to be reading some scripture. So would everybody stand today because we're going to go to Psalm chapter 37 verses 1 through 8. Everybody read this with me. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass they will soon wither, like green plants they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. Now Holy Spirit, we ask that the word of God, as it is taught today, would speak into our lives and it would help us to grow and develop and to continue a a, uh, relational journey with you. Nobody knows the future but you. So we trust you to navigate our steps, and God, we pray that our character is built to handle whatever life throws at us, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 The Lord bless you. Be seated. So today's message is about looking forward, whereas last Sunday I shared about looking back, but as we look forward today... Sometimes I have some trends or things that I see coming that as a church we may need to adapt to. Sometimes it's a passage of scripture like this and we'll be breaking down the scripture a little bit more. Sometimes I share some statistical data that will affect us. Sometimes I share things just because I thought it was interesting and it has nothing to do with the sermon. (laughs) So, I have three things I want to tell you that have nothing to do with the sermon but I think you might want to be interested in. As you look at 2022, uh, you run across a lot of information, and I think, I, by the way, I think this is stuff that could affect us in the future. You may, it's not going to be the basis of the message, but these are things that are out there on the horizons that are coming because of how they're playing out. So let me just kind of share three things that you might find interesting, and uh, we'll just see how it goes. First service liked it, so no pressure. <laughs> not saying you have to like it as well. 
But uh, one of the first trends that uh, I want to let you be aware of is this. This past year, the U.S. population only grew by just over 300,000. It's the first time since 1930s in the, when the Depression was on us. It's the first time that our population has not exceeded growing by a million or more. Everybody thought COVID was going to produce a baby boom. It didn't produce a baby boom. <laughs> it didn't happen. But what that tells us is this, our, and I, and I want to make sure I say this appropriately, we have been a, a culture that has been more pro-abortion than pro-life, and now it's starting to catch us. The abortions are exceeding the births substantially. If you don't think that doesn't have long-term consequences, wait till you see your Social Security benefits reduced in the coming decades. Because you understand there's a payment, you know how this all works. Some of you go, I don't even know what you're talking about. Then you need to do your homework. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying, and now we start to see what we call a talent deficit in our marketplace. Why? Because there's a number of people who are missing. It's not a sustainable pattern. The second thing I'll tell you is this. You've watched how the trend in our political world has moved from the word billions to trillions. Suddenly. They don't talk about billions anymore. It's all about trillions. You say, well, what's the big deal about that? Because you know that they're printing that. They're not managing it. And it has the same effect on you and I. If we don't manage our household, how many know somebody, the creditor's going to call one day? And it's the same way. This has some substantial consequences. To kind of put this in perspective, if you wanted to count to a trillion and you did one number every second and you did it nonstop, 24-7, 365 days a year, nonstop, it would take you over 37,000 years just to count to a trillion. And they're talking about three trillion. They're talking about about 100,000 years it would take to count to that. Has long-term consequence. Third thing I'll tell you, you say, well, what's the, what's the sermon on that? Well, it's not really a sermon. It's just you better learn to balance your budget just like you have to balance yours and mine and the churches and everybody else. Okay? Trillions of dollars, I'm just telling you, has consequences built in for all of us. Last thing I'll tell you is this. The technology advances in the last 40 years... Technology has just made a huge boom. We went from literally having no accessible technology to the common person to today you have a phone that is in your pocket and it is 24,000 times more powerful than the first spaceship that set itself on the moon. And it's in your pocket. It's in your kid's pocket. How many know that'll cause a new perspective on parental supervision? And you're worried about their driving habits. <laughs> they got something even more powerful just carrying around in their pocket. What does that have to do? They say, so an equivalent, we went from in the last 40 years, we now carry something in our pocket that is equivalent to our own brain power. A brain, literally in your pocket. In the next 40 years, they're saying that that could turn into what's in your pocket is equivalent to everybody's brain power in the world. That's why the iPhone keeps updating. It's not Apple trying to keep making money off of you, which they probably do have as a strategy. 
But it's, that's how fast technology is advancing. Forty years ago, a church never had this. We had a thing called the overhead projector. <laughs> you know what that is. Can you get your hand up in the air and you can get a witness of an amen? amen. You just gave away your age. <laughs> yeah. And so who saw the technology, how it is used even in a church service today? This, how many know preachers didn't used to preach with this? Right? Okay. So we know that technology has, and now our services are online. I'm just saying, it's a, who knows? I just know that that has a trend. It, has, it will have an impact. What it will look like, I don't know. I just know that these things will be impacting us. But today's message has to do now with looking forward. Sometimes I talk about these trends, and the other times I talk about some other issues. And today, it's not going to be on trends. It's going to be on the character that we need to have so we can manage whatever life brings to us this next year. Because in the end is this. Nobody sees what's coming. We've gone from COVID-19 to Delta to now Omicron. I'm wanting them to run out of letters to use in the alphabet. And let's move it. But nobody knows where this thing is going. But that doesn't mean followers of Christ get a pass on developing their life. So the question is, is what do I need to bring to the table? Well, I can tell you this. It has more to do about your internal world than your external world because most of us have no control over the external world right now. So it's all about what's in our internal world. Do I have inside of me what I need to have so that whatever life brings to me next week, next month, next year, do I have on the inside what it takes to address those suddenly adjustments that need to occur in life? But here's the thing, to kind of inspire you a little bit, one of the things I like to do is this. I always go over what I said last year. And I'm going to do this like in three or four minutes really quick. Now, last year I needed 40 minutes to tell everybody. <laughs> now I just need three or four minutes. Because the bottom line is this. Did it happen or did it not happen? And the other part of this is I think a leader should recount what they said. You will never find the President of the United States at the State of the Union rehearsing what he said last year. Because statistical data, whether Republican or Democrat, has shown that 95% of what the president says at a State of the Union never happens. How many know that's a burning sensation to listen this year? <laughs> it's just, I mean, they just spout, say things. and I mean, it sounds great, but I'm just saying, statistical data has said 95% of whatever is said or promised or communicated, it doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. So... Now you know why they never want to rehearse last year's sermon or message, right? So, but I'm going to show you what I said last year. Number one, I said last year, because remember, COVID was an uncertain vaccine, had not come out yet. We were waiting to see when it was coming. The church services were radically different as far as spacing, a number of things. And number one, I said this, being the church will be more important than going to church. Why? Because a lot of us couldn't go to church. So we had to focus on being the church. And I say that meaning this, about engaging culture. Just because I couldn't set foot in this building did not get me off the hook from representing Jesus out there. The second thing I said was this, small group gatherings will be as important as large group gatherings. There are people who are nervous about large gatherings. You can dissect that and break it apart all you want. The, the bottom line is I've told people, when we've met your threshold of safety that you can come, come. When we haven't, 
Please stay connected to a small group. Stay in touch with us online. We are still missing about 40% of our congregation. But they are engaged. They are still connected. They are still giving. Many of them are in a small group. They're like, I'll get into a group of eight, but I can't do a group of hundreds. I just, I'm just not there yet. That's fine. Okay? We're good. But I said the small groups would be everything to survive and thrive in this past year. Another thing I said was this. Evangelism will be more relational than transactional. That it was more about not making converts. It was about making disciples who understood this. You are committing to a relational journey with Jesus. You are not making, you're not just having an experience with Jesus and then you move on. No, you are pivoting and having a relational journey with Jesus. It's more about discipleship. And the last thing I said was this. We had to have new metrics for church for effectiveness because the typical metric for any church was, well, how many people are coming? And how many, you know, what's the giving? Well, how many know COVID messed all that up? So we said, we're gonna, our metrics is going to be this. How many points of contact do we have with our community? And if you've stayed apprised of our announcements, you've stayed apprised of a variety of things that we do in this community, you, you saw us trying to figure out how do we have more contact into the community because we weren't able to gather and do things as normally as we would. But how, that doesn't mean we get relieved of responsibility. It just means we have to find another way. So I feel like these, by the way, these trends are going to continue. I don't think they're going to change. I don't think these are temporary. I think this is, this is the new paradigm for church. Period. Even when COVID is over and everybody gets back to whatever they call them normal, I think this is the expectations people are going to have. It's altered how people see church. Now, so what do I see about where we're going from this point forward? Well, instead of talking about these types of things, I'm going to say, I want to talk about what's happening inside of us. Because as I said before, hey, everybody's Christmas and New Year's got disrupted. You know how I many people are still stranded at airports right now? Because of cancellations and everything. And you know, here a month ago, everybody thought it would be good. Nobody saw this massive curveball being thrown, and, and now everybody's trying to adapt and figure things out. Some people are still trying to figure out how to get home, okay? So here's what I want to talk about our internal world. So let's look at what the scripture that we read today from Psalm 37. I believe it has what I call prophetic insights for us. The first point is, what does, what does it say that we're to avoid? Somewhat of a negative thing, but I think it's important. Number one, it says, do not fret. Did you realize in the eight verses that we read, the psalmist said, do not fret three times. He said, do not fret because of those who are evil. Do not fret when people succeed in their, in their ways, when they carry out wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. Three times, do not fret. Now, most of us would have the tendency to do this. We're going to superimpose the English definition of it. But I want to go back. This is written in Hebrew. In the Hebrew, listen, the, the word Hebrew, or fret in the Hebrew, means this. To heat oneself up. Now you know why we use the word fret, because that would just read really awkwardly. Do not heat oneself up. I mean, you know, that just doesn't, doesn't really communicate well. 
But when you have the word fret and then you understand that is the definition, when we fret, we get agitated on the inside. Fear, anxiety, anger, apprehension. When we start to fret, we, we start getting, it just heats our insides up. And the Bible says, would you stop heating your insides up? Don't do that. And part of that is, is this. You better be careful about the kind of information that you take in. Because some information that is put out there is designed to heat you up. They're trying to get you agitated. The second thing the Bible says is this. It tells us to avoid being envious. What is it? He says, do not fret because those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. Envious is this. I wish I had what they had. And what they have becomes my dream. And it becomes my vision. And God says, don't, don't, don't try to decide your activity for yourself based on the activity that is helping and working in somebody else. The second thing he says is this. Don't be envious of those who are doing wrong. Stay, be careful of who you choose as your model. Everybody in this room, whether in a minor way or in a significant way, knows somebody who got away with something big and it paid off. And you, could, you said, they're going to get caught, and they didn't. And you just, you can go, well, then what's the use in doing right? Can I tell you, that's a road you do not want to go down. Because let me tell you how the, how the enemy works. Okay? The enemy will always let one get away. So that 19 think they can do it too, but he'll catch those 19. Did you hear me? Hell is playing the numbers game. What's the best way to snag 19? What's the best way to destroy 19? Let one get away with it and make it look like it's okay and there's no consequence. And then 19 think, well, I'm smarter than them. And then you engage and you do things and you get caught. You pay the consequence. You better realize that hell's playing a numbers game. Be careful about envying people that you think that, quote, got away with it. You know what you call that? Bait. Don't be the fish that bites that one. Let it go. Stick to your principles. Number three, you see here he says, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Why that? We live in an information-oriented society. Most of our news is now delivered to us, not so that we can get the facts and make the decisions based on what is best. Most of our information that comes at us is framed within the context to make you angry. Can I get a witness? And I don't care what station you're turned to. I'm just telling you, most information is not just designed to tell you what's going on. 
they frame it and they want to tell you why this information should make you mad. And let me, would you like to hear the cure for that? Turn it off. If you got a remote, you don't even have to get out of your seat, man. You just click, okay? Watch your intake of that kind of information. Watch your intake of how long that you spend watching, listening, reading. Man, my email fills up with all kinds of sources of information that I never signed up for them. So I know people are turning my name in and, you know, my pastor might want to know this. Let me tell you something. No, he doesn't. And if I want to know something, I'm perfectly capable of typing it in myself. But yeah, it's just, and it's information, it's just designed to anger you and agitate you and get you. And I'm just, the Bible says, why don't you just refrain from anger? That's not going to help you to move forward. It's not going to help you through your day. It's not going to help you to have a positive outlook tomorrow. Listen, it's not going to help you get along with people. Because you know what happens when you get filled up with all this garbage? And then you find somebody who has a different point of view than you? Now you're mad at them. Because they ought to be reading the information that you're reading. And so now we start picking our friends based on information ideology. You don't agree with me on that? You, I'll, I'll show you. I'll unfriend you. <laughs> Boy, there goes my day. I just got unfriended by three people. Yeah, just chill. Relax. Hey, the Bible said even love your enemies. It doesn't say unfriend them. <laughs> well, there's a witness. Wouldn't you accept Jesus? Facebook banned me. Everybody dumped me. as Nobody has that as a testimony. Okay? So the Bible says, refrain from anger, turn from wrath. But what does it tell us to do? Well, it tells us this. Number one, he says, trust in the Lord. Never have we ever needed to hear that more than now because we have so many things challenging us about not to trust God. It's an archaic faith. Or we especially see this now, new theologies popping up all over the place. In supposedly, there's now a new way to read the scriptures or understand the scriptures. And I want you to know, yes, I get pressure on that too. You say, what? Yeah. I have the ministerial ranks are divided. I have friends, and they're not assemblies of God. They're other denominations and other fellowships. But I have, I have ministerial friends they are like, are you still preaching that archaic stuff? Man, haven't, haven't you been reading some of the stuff that's been coming out? And man, don't you, don't you feel an obligation to inform your people? Don't, don't you feel like you have an obligation to move them forward? How can you adhere to that ancient stuff? And I go, well, it's, it's God's word, number one. And number two, when did you buy into this new progressive junk? Where did that come from? Who decided that? Have you done the research on the source of your new perspectives on Scripture? Which are really not perspectives. When you get down to it, they're not new perspectives. And I don't say this derogatorily. I don't say this provokingly. Listen to me. They're not new perspectives on Scripture. They're dismissals of Scripture. 
They're not new perspectives. They're explanations on why passages should be dismissed. And my thing is this. So if we're going to start dismissing Scripture, where does that end? Like, where's the end game on this? How much of, it, how much of what we know currently are you going to remove? And when, does this, when do we stop seeing new emergences in theology? I mean, if I can come up with a new idea on a perspective today, what's to prevent me from doing that next year and the year after and the year after? See, at some point you have to go, no, this was something that was in existence before me. It's my, it was a standard before me. It's a standard that is while I live. And should Jesus tarry, it'll be a standard after I'm gone. By the way, Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away before anything in his word does. So that kind of gives you a perspective of how Jesus saw the word. And by the way, when Jesus wrote that, the New Testament had not been written. He was referring to the Old Testament. So, so much for those who are trying to dismiss the Old Testament. I'm like, hey, you might want to read a really well-known author and speaker that I know, Jesus. <laughs> he has some really interesting insights on that. Number two is this, do good. In this mayhem of this COVID, it was easy just to back off and just go, well, why should I try? What's, listen. I think now is our finest hour. Of all the times for Christians to step up and do good, it's now. Because of this talent deficit that is all over our culture, do you know that there's a lot of avenues that are open to us that two years ago they wouldn't have given you the time of day? But because of what is needed, they will have a conversation with you about what you can do. We found this when the schools were shut down and kids were trying to do remote learning. And they were falling behind, and parents had no place to go and get help so that their kids could stay up, stay up in school. And, and they go, look, I can't afford a tutor. I can't afford to pay somebody. I, I, but my kid's at home, and they're falling, and they're, they're so far behind. I don't, I don't even know who to, I don't even have a number to pick up. And everybody knows about the separation of church and state, right? You've heard of that? Well, we got a grant. And we were able to have homework helpers here on Wednesday in our third space, our lobby out there. And any kid could show up. And we had qualified people out there because we got a grant. And kids, public school, private school, didn't matter. Any kid could show up and get help with math, science, English, history, whatever the subject was. They could show up. Two years ago, they would have never did that. They would have never let that happen. Nobody mentioned separation of church and state. You know why? Because they were desperate. Kids need help. Nobody brought it up. Nobody said, you can't do that. You're not zoned to have homework helpers. <laughs> You're zoned to have church, but you can't. Nobody said a word. In fact, it was just the opposite. Appreciate you going outside the boundaries to try to help our community. Let me tell you, this is a time to start doing good. You see our mission statement, connect to God, one another in the marketplace. There are opportunities all over this community and in this county to get on community boards, to get involved in places that before you would have never thought you could or they would not have wanted you. But you need to start considering putting your names in places and positions and, and community service groups. and all. You, Listen, this is our finest hour. You have so many opportunities 
to serve your neighbors, to serve your community, to serve things. And we want you doing that. See, a lot of times people go, well, I don't want to get involved. They somehow think Christianity is the gift of fault finding. They sit back and they go, well, that leader doesn't know what he's doing. Well, that board sure messed it up. Well, I don't know what they're doing over there. And people go, wow, you're just so full of wisdom. <laughs> you have an amazing gift to find the fault in every leader and every board and every community decision. God bless you for such insight. <laughs> fault finding is not a char Christian characteristic that defines us. You know what defines us? I see a problem and I think God wants me to go do something about it. I'll volunteer. I'll do that. Yeah, I know there's a lot of heat and I know there's a lot of people, but you know what? It's because of people, listen to us. It's because people like us that don't step up and do things, that there's, that's the reason there's so much criticism. You're needed. And I didn't say the church, I said this community needs you. I had a guy <laughs> in the first service that he came and told me, he said, I'm considering, and he told me about what he's thinking about putting his name in to do in the community, and he's sitting there with his wife, and I did his segment, and she looked over and said, wow, I didn't know you talked to the pastor. He goes, I didn't. She goes, well, I guess he's telling you to run. Yeah, I'll go talk to him after church about that. <laughs> and he did. He goes, it's like you're reading my mail. I'll, let me tell you something. Step out and be salt and light. Don't talk about it. Do it. Salt that has lost its saltiness is no longer good. You throw it into the field. God has given us an amazing ability to be salt and light in this community. Now is your moment to step in and say, count me in, I'll help. And everybody said amen. amen. If you keep interrupting me, I'm not going to get through this. <laughs> the third thing the Bible says is take delight in the Lord. Most people, amen. What does that mean? I don't know, but it feels good. <laughs> the word delight is this. It means to be happy. Be happy. Be, yeah. In other words, don't see my faith as a noose but see my faith as an empowerment. Yeah, my faith causes me to respond differently in this crisis than some other people. In fact, I will say this, sometimes my faith makes people uncomfortable because of how I respond in this crisis. But that's because of my faith. God didn't call me to live in a bunker, hiding, scared. God called me to live a life of faith. But that doesn't mean I go out and be dumb and stupid either. There's a, there's a line in there. But I cannot be afraid to go to where that line is. And I'm happy about it. And I like it. And I'm enjoying it. And everybody said amen. And then he says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust him to navigate your steps. All of us go, well, when God reveals his plan to me, if he did, you'd run. You know what you do? 
God, I'm in. What's your plan? Because I'm in. Just show me. I'm in. Show me how you want to do this. But God, I'm in. And the last one he says is this. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. That word, be still before the Lord, I can remember as a kid, you know, when they would preach it in the church where I grew up, they say, be still before the Lord. I always felt like I was being called out because I was not behaving in church, so I thought, be still before the Lord. <laughs> Thing is, I didn't know, okay, so when I do that, what's the Lord doing? It was just like, okay, I'm, you know, what are you doing? Being still before the Lord. <laughs> you, know what, you know what the translation in the Hebrew for be still is? It means to rest. Rest before the Lord and wait patiently for him. It means this. I have reached my relationship with Christ in this way. I can relax. I'm, I'm not working at following him. I'm just doing it because it's me. I'm like, okay, where's God? Oh, got to get over there. Got to be a good follower, you know. A lot of distractions. That, no, it just means this. I'm good. I'm a follower. Period. I'm not entertaining other expressions and other avenues. I'm in. And I'm so in, I'm resting in what I'm in. I'm, I'm, I'm not looking for anything else in my life. I got him. And everybody said amen. amen. So as we move in, as we begin to wrap this up, you heard this in the announcements about prayer and fasting. And if you didn't get a card or a communion cup when you came in, ushers, could you get both? Just hold up your hand, and the ushers are going to come to where you're seated and hand this to you really, really quick because we're going to move towards communion here very quickly. But if you didn't get a card and you didn't get a communion cup, please lift your hand, and they'll come to you right now. You'll notice we said fasting, prayer and fasting, Monday, January 10th through Sunday, January 30th, 2022. I know by just saying that, some of you went fasting. I'm out. <laughs> can, I, can, I tell you what I've can I tell you what I've noticed as a pastor? Just say yes for rhetorical purposes. Everybody's a Christian until it gets biblical. Just let that sink in for a second. The Bible talks, everybody, yeah, I'm a follower of Christ. Yeah, well, you know, the Bible talks about fasting. Well, I don't know about that. As soon as you start talking about some of these elements, you know, people just check out. So I need somebody in this aisle over here. Thanks. The center aisle has got quite a few. So what is Fasting. Fasting is the absence of food that when you would have been eating, you are praying. And you say, well, here's what we have to be careful of. We want to be careful that we don't Americanize fasting. You know what I mean by America? Well, I know what the Bible says fasting is, but, you know, I'm just going to abstain from chocolate for 21 days. Let me see. Biblical. Jesus, did you abstain from chocolate for 21 days? <laughs> you see how we Americanize it? We, we start borrowing from things 
that aren't biblical, but somehow it soothes our conscience. It is just abstaining from food. That while there is a banquet going on, because when you're hungry, everything's a banquet. While the banquet is going on in the other room, you say, I would rather spend that moment in prayer, whatever long that meal is, I'm going to pray. Some of you go, do you understand what agony and pain that I will be in? Yeah, I do. Good. You say, I can't believe you just said that. Yeah. Pastor has two jobs. Comfort the afflicted, afflict the comfortable. That's where you're at. Thank you. That tells me I'm doing my job. It means this. My spiritual hunger is greater than my physical hunger. So, man, that's going to be a battle, a struggle. Good. We just found where you're growing, your growing point in your faith is. It, you think, boy, you're sending us out on a real high note today. It should be hard. It's part of growing up. That makes a great parental statement, too, when your children say some of the same things to you. You can say, well, it's just part of growing. I don't want to mow the grass. Well, that's, a, that's the beauty. I didn't ask you. <laughs> See, I don't want to. Well, you act like I asked you. I didn't ask you. I'm telling you. That's the beauty. You can just bypass the whole conversation. Go do it. Some of you are going, I'm glad I didn't have you as a dad. <laughs> so let me just, it's in the Bible. Joel chapter 1, verse 14, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, summon the elders, all who live in the land, to the house of the Lord your God, and cry out to the Lord. It tells us also in Acts chapter 13, I don't have time to read every scripture because you guys kept interrupting me today, so <laughs> Acts 13, significant decisions were revealed and made when the church was praying and fasting. You also read in Ezra chapter 8, 21. Thereby the Ahava Canal I pronounced a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all the possessions. How many would like a safe journey for your family in 2022? Right there. Then you also read down in Isaiah 58, 6, Is this not the kind of fasting I've chosen to loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? One of the tragedies of COVID is this. Drug use and drug overdose have hit peak levels. There's people who need deliverance. Listen to me. They want it. They want to be, they, but they're trapped. You say, well, I don't know what that has to do. If you don't have a need, then why don't you take the responsibility and pray for God to set somebody else free? Why don't you pray as if it was your bondage? Pray and fast for them. So how should you do this? So ask God to do this. I'm going to tell you what I do on a personal level, not just in fasting, just in everyday life. I pray for my life. Here's how I pray. They all start with the letter F. That way I have an easier way to remember them, okay? I always ask God, reveal your activity to me in my, in your, in my faith. Show me your activity in my family. Show me your activity in my finances. My firm, which is my work, my fitness, and I mean not only physically, but I also say mentally and emotionally and relationally. God, show me your activity with my friends, who I should be around, who I should not be around. Show me what you're doing in them. Fun. God, I want to have fun, but I would never want my fun to become something that led me astray. 
And besides, God knows how to make you happier than you know how to make yourself. And then the other part is this, my future. God, I don't know what my future is, but I'm not going to tell you how to make me happy. I'm just going to ask you to show me. Show me what makes me happy I'm in. But I'm through giving you an agenda. On If you do this, wow, my life will be grand. Can I tell you this? That's what you think. Trust God with your happiness. And then also ask God to bless your church. Bless your community. God, what can I do? How can I serve? There's a talent deficit in every segment of our culture right now. I'm not telling you to go out there and get overwhelmed and swamp yourself. But boy, if there was ever a time to come off the sideline, say, count me in. This is your moment. I don't know how longer this door will be open before culture tries to go back to what it was doing before and say, no, 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 we don't want you people of faith in here. I can say this, get involved to the point that they don't want to let people of faith go. You guys do too good of a job. We can't let them go. <laughs> I've never had such a productive person. I have never had such a caring person. And everybody said amen.